Welcome to the PR Master Series podcast. I'm Rich Giacchetti, Senior Partner of the Stevens Group. The Stevens Group is sponsoring this podcast series with our partner, Compro.biz. Our guest is Cass Sells. Cass is Global Chief Operating Officer and President of International of We Communications, We Communications with formerly Wagner Edstrom. CAST currently oversees the agency's development in Europe, the Middle East, and Africa, as well as in APAC countries. Throughout his 25-year agency career, CAST has held senior management positions at TBWA Shia Day, Senior Vice President, Director of Business Development at DDB, and at FCV, CAST led the agency's Seattle and West Coast operations. Before joining WE in 2015, he grew Wonderman's Seattle office into one of the WPP-owned agency's largest and most successful. He also is credited with having brought numerous cross-functional WPP agencies together on Team Microsoft to develop marketing communications campaigns in more than 40 countries for the giant international technology company. Cass also serves on the board of the Legrand Foundation helping to bring greater diversity to the PR, advertising, and marketing industry. So without further delay, I bring you Cass Sells. Welcome to the PR Master Series podcast. Thanks, Rich. Honor to be here. I'm excited to talk with you today. How are you? Um, Cass, uh, can you give us a brief summary of your career history and, and how it has taken you all the way to this point where Recently, you were appointed the Chief Operating Officer and, and President International of WE. Uh, and, and for anyone listening to this podcast who doesn't know, WE, which was founded in 1983, was formerly Wagner Edstrom, named after the agency's two founders, Melissa Wagner Zorkin and Pam Edstrom. So, Cass, how did you get here? That's right, and uh, it's a bit of a full circle. I began my career at a small PR agency in Seattle, Washington, and uh, loved the agency business until one day the owner of the agency came to me and said, Cass, I don't have enough work for you anymore. You're going to have to go do something else. Uh, so I, be, I moved over to a client-side job. And uh, I, I began as a marketing communications manager doing uh, whatever I could, writing press releases, writing employee newsletters, uh, doing uh, new business launches, uh, doing some brand work, and whatever I could do, and, and really enjoyed that work. And, but what I found myself enjoying the most was the work that we did with our agencies, because while as, as, a, as a client... Uh, marketing and communications was important to our business. What I found with our agencies was it was everything about their business. And at the end of the day, I really found the agency, my agency partners were having more fun, were focused completely on the work, and were uh, as passionate as I've ever seen about the business of marketing and communications, advertising, PR, media, and all things that I just loved. So I kind of moved my career and had an opportunity to go over and join the agency side of the business and haven't looked back and uh, have really been an agency person as, you know, for most of my 30-plus years of, of working career. 
and I really have enjoyed it. Um, I think the agency business is really we, we produce things. At the end of the day, uh, we create work, we put it into market, and we optimize it and see how it works, and we're judged by the quality of the work that we do and the impact that we have, which I really love. And so my, my career has kind of had an arc that began in PR, kind of moved into advertising, media, um, digital, CRM, loyalty marketing. And, and, and really, I would say, without even really, before the, the term existed, integrated communications was really what I was, what I was working on and building towards. And I really do like bringing uh, different diverse groups of people together to create communications programs for, for clients and their brands. And that, that's included getting to work for some of the best brands and the best agencies in the world. I had the opportunity to work for 10 years for DDB, um, worked for Shia Day in Los Angeles, uh, where literally was Shia Day and Night uh, for two years, had the chance to work uh, for FCB, um, and then moved to Wonderman, which was a great agency, and, and really uh, grew my career and had the chance to start working uh, regionally and globally uh, for for brands uh, such as Microsoft and Nokia at the time uh, and others, and uh, as well as national brands in the U.S. like T-Mobile, and really enjoyed that work. Um, when I had when Melissa called me to come to um, what the time was Wagner Edstrom now We Communications, it was really the opportunity not to come as a senior client counselor in the PR practice but to bring my integrated communication skills and bring the things that I, that, that I had learned in digital and data and <clears throat> analytics and, and that kind of work and bring it to we and start to build that up across our business. I see, because I, I was going to ask you that. I mean, you, you know, rattled off a number of uh, agencies that you, um, after you fell in love with the agency business, uh, which I can relate to, directly relate to, you, you rattle off the names of, of agencies that are not PR firms, but you somehow ended up uh, working in a PR firm, uh, which um, I was curious about and, and how you – did, did, you, did you feel like a fish out of water at first? Um, did you know what these folks were up to when they were uh, <laughs> on the phone talking to reporters all day long? Uh, how different was it for you to go from, let's say, uh, a DDB Needham at a foot cone building to uh, to Wagner Edstrom? Well, I think we has an interesting practice. I mean, we really we exist to really deliver integrated communications services to technology-led companies around the world. So I had worked with a number of technology companies. So that part, working with clients, wasn't new. Trying to figure out solutions to their communications challenges wasn't new. Working in the earned media space and in corporate communications and some crisis work, some of that is new, and we have incredibly talented people who do that. Um, what my role is is to put them in position to be successful and then give them all the resources they can to be successful. And so that's, that's what I try and do, and I, that's why I try and take advantage of my, my, my limited capabilities and skills and really do that for our people is to, is to work with them. And so I think WE is known for its technology PR capabilities, 
but in fact our capabilities are broad ranging you know uh, we kind of lean into technology and we find that you know our 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 roots are in technology and we're very strong advocates for for technology and the the transformational nature that technology has for companies today but then what we execute is really exists across the media ecosystem from earned and owned to paid to events experiential digital work social uh we we really do integrated communications often it's led through insights driven in the power of storytelling and story making uh and that starts in a yeah. space for us and we proudly start in, a, in a, from a point of view of earned uh, but it really increasingly works across the media ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it all comes down in the end to t- telling a story, isn't it, really? Yeah, it, it really it really does. And I think people yeah. who are great storytellers are so powerful. Um, you know, you can yeah. have the greatest products in the world, but if you can't convince people uh, to be interested in them, uh, to want to try them, to want to come back and use them again and again, and and talk about how those products and services really transform people's lives, you know, then then what do you have? So with the people who can do that really well and do it by leaning into kind of things that are that are new in, in technology and innovation, really wow. have an advantage in the world today. Yeah. Well, you know, before before we discuss the uh, the nature of, of your role. At we, I know Wee's relationship with with Microsoft goes back uh, many years and is still an important client. Microsoft is still an important client of your firm. Can, can you briefly summarize the relationship with Microsoft, you know, how it began, and what role does does we play today for this you know iconic American? multinational technology company. Yeah, Melissa began in the agency um, just over 35 years ago and had several clients. And she, she began the agency with a point of view in that is that the agency would sit at this intersection of people, brands, and technology. And she was very early on a real proponent of technology. And so several of her early clients were small technology companies. Uh, I think Melissa got a lot of that lean-in and that, that desire to work with technology from, from her father, who was an engineer, uh, but she really oh. believed in technology from, an early, from a very early and began her company with a point of view around the power of technology to transform businesses. And she had a couple oh. of small clients, and um, she knew a woman named Pam Edstrom. Uh, Pam was yeah. working for a small technology company at the time called Microsoft, and uh, Pam and Melissa worked well and, and, and worked well together. And um, soon Melissa and, and Wagner created Wagner Edstrom and pitched Microsoft and won Microsoft's early work to be their PR agency. And we have been their PR agency for 35 years uh, to varying degrees. Today we are their, their corporate uh, PR agency of record and we work with nearly all of their business groups and many of their executives in many markets around the world. Uh, We work in their cloud and enterprise group. We work in their um, devices group. Uh, We work in their new AI group. We work for 
their CEO, Satya Nadella, who's terrific. Uh, Brad Smith is their president, who's, who's amazing. They're, they've got a great group of leaders uh, who are really transforming their company in all new ways. And we work kind of across the business to, to help them tell their stories uh, and help mm-hmm. them to be in position to be successful. Um, and they're, I, uh, I will say, a, a great client, challenging client every single day. They take on the biggest challenges in technology, and they do it with great spirit and energy. They're, so they're a challenging client, but they're a terrific client, and, uh, and they, they make us a better agency every day. Well, you know, I, I hardly have to, to say, but, but we, we, we communications ranks among, uh, well, the top five, four or five largest independent communications and integrated marketing agencies in the world. So, so now let, let's get back to you. Having said that, um, you are a chief global global operating officer and, and president of International. It's a big job. I wonder if you wouldn't mind describing a day in the life of Cast Cells. Uh, what's your job function? As an agency, you know, our mission is to enable brands to show up differently in the world and help our brands to make a positive impact in the world. So I was doing that as hired as, as by Melissa to, to run North America and to build integrated communications in North America. And um, in January, Melissa asked me to uh, really take on what I was doing in North America and take that and, and do it globally and connect all of our offices around the world, uh, increase our integrated communication skills, our abilities in digital and social, in planning, in data and analytics, and start to build those out globally as we have in North America. Uh, it's the fastest growing part of our business, and frankly, mm-hmm. it's our biggest opportunity to grow in the future. So we really were at an inflection point where we needed to unite our leadership behind our global business and the opportunity to, as we say, go global and do it in a big way and to build bridges between our teams and our clients <clears throat> all around the world. You know, we used to have, we had uh, one time, we had two clients who operated in more than one market around the world that we served. Uh, today we have 10. We used to have uh, two clients of more than a million dollars. We had lots of, lots of mid-sized clients that were great, but today we have more than 10. So we are gro- fast growing on a global basis, and more and more of our clients want us to be able to serve their needs in multiple markets around the world. And so we really are building up our capabilities and our, and our abilities to serve those needs in multiple markets and do it in a consistent way. So Melissa asked me to take on the, the global role and asked Don O'Parlant to take on the North American role and the chief client officer role. And so that's, that's what we're doing today. Well, would, would you say that, that – um We's presence in um, um, Africa, et cetera, in the APAC uh, countries is is predominantly uh, client needs driven, or or does it have more to do with um, We's new business strategy? I mean, how would you weigh these two factors in terms of their strategic importance as it as it relates to We's? long-term business growth strategy overseas? Yeah, I think that's a good good question, Rich. I think without question, 
uh, international and growing internationally is where a lot of opportunity is for us. But for us, it doesn't mean just adding more dots on the map. We don't need more dots on the map. It's not about that. It's really about developing a global mindset and bringing that mindset to our clients, thinking globally, acting locally, and driving their brands and, the, and their work around the world. For us, that means increasing our presence in, in Asia, uh, delivering a really strong uh, European offering, and being at those cultural centers around the world. You know, if we're going to be an agency that leans into technology and, and business transformation, you need to be where that business transformation is happening. And, and in the U.S., that's, that is in New York. It's in the Bay Area, uh, in the Valley. It's in the Pacific Northwest, in markets like Austin and Boston. It's in London. But particularly, it is in the markets in Asia, in uh, in Shanghai and Beijing, in Delhi and Mumbai, in um, uh, Singapore, in Indonesia, and increasingly in places like Vietnam and Thailand. Uh, we're really expanding and putting a lot of emphasis into, into Asia because that is where a lot of the action is. That's where our clients are. And frankly, there's more people consumers and customers living inside of the, of the greater Southeast Asia area, China, India, Southeast Asia, than there are living outside of that. And we want to be part of that. And, so, and our clients do too. So more of our clients are spending more of their marketing and communications dollars in, in Asia and Southeast Asia than ever before. So it's both a combination of it's a proactive strategy for us to be where the future is, as well as a reactive one to be able to serve our clients where their customers and consumers are and will be in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um, I hear what you're saying, and I and I, I I know that it's it, it must feel like a luxury to be um, working with uh, a firm that has the the resources that uh, we communications has. But the reality here is that the the majority of people who will listen to this podcast are most likely to either own or work for a PR firm. It's highly likely the firms won't have anywhere near uh, the resources of a firm like We Communications uh, to make moves, the kind of moves we, we has made nationally and, and overseas. Uh, having said that, however, do you have any advice for, for for owners of smaller agencies who see where global markets are headed and want to have a presence in those markets but don't have anywhere near the wherewithal to realize uh, those objectives, those goals uh, that we communications have? One of the benefits of WE, one of the biggest things that, that is a differentiating factor for WE is our independence. We are, as Melissa says, fiercely independent. So we are not aligned yeah. with one of the big holding companies. So when we make investments, it's on the back of our own dollars and our profits that we make those. Um, and so for us, it is a big investment to go global and to add um, markets and make investments in companies but that is where our future is. I would encourage agencies to find partners 
uh, to look for like-minded companies and agencies and uh, to partner with, to acquire, to work together with, uh, who bring some of those global capabilities and that global mindset to you. I think one of the, one of the false narratives about being independent is that you have to go at it alone. And we don't believe that you, being independent means you go alone. You can partner, and we do, uh, with many different agencies of different size and scale and different expertises that we don't offer. And that's how we got into several of these markets, by partnering with like-minded independent agencies. Uh, and I think that's really, that's, that can be an important differentiator uh, for us as we compete with some of the larger holding company agencies. Um, and, I, and I think it's important that, that we all try and, and build those bridges and get out and see these markets meet our uh, sometimes competitors, but often our partners in these markets and understand their challenges and how we can help our clients, whether our clients are uh, small, whether they're midsize or whether they're multinational, you know, enterprise corporations, um, they all have aspirations for growth. And much of that growth is going to come in these developing markets. And so um, to be their best counselors and to be their true business partners, we have to help them to, to do that. And so that means we've got to get out there and kind of lead and, and build those relationships ourselves. Is a part of your, your role um, identifying these firms uh, to partner with overseas? Uh, it has been. We have done um, – five acquisitions in the last four years. Uh, four of those have been focused on uh, Asia, uh, one in North America. So, yeah, we've made a concerted effort to, to do that. And, and what I like to say is, that, you know, it is one thing to go out and find a business transaction and do an M&A deal, uh, and, and that's relatively easy. You can find firms who would like to be acquired and you can get the capital you need if you're willing to give up something uh, that, to go and, and, and buy firms, but that's really the easier part. But what we've found is that the biggest challenge is in, and where it really works or doesn't work is those building the relationships. You've got to go in and build deep relationships. We talk about connecting, engaging, sharing, and supporting our partners uh, and our acquisition partners with everything that we have and building those relationships for the long term uh, and really helping them. Um, we can learn a lot from them as well, but really helping them and sharing and supporting. And that means you get to get on airplanes and go be together. You got to go yeah. be together. You can't do it. You can't just do it on Skype and you can't just do it on email or teams or, or some other, you know, technology, you've got to actually be together, working together, and helping each other. And so we are, we are investing a lot of time. I'm, I'm getting to spend a lot of my time uh, in these markets and probably spend a good third to almost half of my time with our uh, acquired agency partners, helping them and connecting with them, um, sharing with them, just spending time together helping their businesses and them uh, and they helping us as well. You know, you're, you you must have a million frequent flyer miles by the by the first quarter of the year, I would think. Uh, George, like George Clooney's role in Up in the Air, where he was shooting for a million miles, you, you must already be there. There, there are there are a couple there are a couple nights that you do feel like like that, or you feel like a little bit like Bill Murray in Lost. Where, where am I? You, what, what what country have I awakened in this morning? 
That's right. <laughs> small price to pay to work with some really great people and, and to, to learn a lot. I'll tell you that. That's fun. Well, you know, but here's here, here's a, here's a question for you that 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 just popped into my mind. Uh, you you were talking about the partnerships and and whether you you acquire a firm or whether you establish a partnership that where there isn't a fiduciary relationship between or an ownership situation that we has with that with that firm. Um, but in those situations where where you are uh, acquiring businesses. Uh, Overseas, um, be it Europe or or Africa or the APAC countries, etc. Are you is is the goal to create many versions or not so many versions of We Communications overseas, or are you looking for you know specialized practice areas where you can acquire expertise to service your clients at say a lower per hour rate. Well what what's what's what what are you looking to do in, in all of these markets in terms of your the, the way your footprint looks in those markets? Yeah, when we look at agencies for acquisition, we look first at the principles and the partnerships and the relationships that we can establish with those principles. Um, and then we look at their relationships with their employees and their clients. And we want established relationships. And we want people who kind of have a shared mindset uh, as to we. It doesn't have to be identical, but, but a shared point of view about the importance of clients and how we put clients at the center of everything we do. We take a long view as to client relationships, knowing that there will be ups and downs and changing budgets and all of those things, but we try and take a long view on the, on the, the development of client relationships. So we look for that, but we do look for some skill sets. You know, for a PR agency, we want strong uh, PR, earned media, corporate communications, and, and senior client oh, wow. counsel capabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, there are, then sometimes we do see some specific capabilities uh, we acquired an agency in Singapore, Watatawa, who really has an expertise in senior client counsel across the APAC region. Makes a lot of sense for us. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we, have mm-hmm. a, we acquired an agency, Redbridge, in Shanghai, Beijing, and Hong Kong now that has a real expertise in, and strong ability to do digital work in China, uh, which is fast developing. And so, we, so, yes, we also look at particular skill sets, uh, where we can take advantage of that and where they bring us new skills. But I do want to say one thing. Some agencies will look to have a very homogenous point of view where everybody kind of looks the same and acts the same and is the same, and this is the way we do it. Yeah. And we have taken yeah. the opposite approach. We've been very contrarian about that. We are not trying to homogenize these agencies. We want to be connected. We want to have a similar point of view. We want to share our methodology, but we want to bring out the best in those local markets because those guys know their markets so much better than we ever will. They know their people better than we ever will sitting in North America. And we want to bring out the best of the knowledge in those local markets and put that to work uh, for our clients. You might, we might generate one overall strategy, but the execution of that has to be appropriate for the markets that you're in. 
And that's yeah. where you really lean into that local market expertise because you can't do that from a far away geography and just dictate how it's going to be done because some, from an execution standpoint, how you might execute in Seattle or New York or London is very different than your execution strategy in uh, Jakarta uh, or Singapore or Shanghai. So it sounds to me like culturally – um, you you want agencies that have a, a similar mindset w- with respect to um, the way they manage their businesses, um, the way they treat their people, um, and the way they regard the work they do for their clients. I mean, it, it sounds to me that if, there, if there's a common theme, um, based on what you just said, that th- those three factors would be um, – a requirement uh, for you before uh, yeah, you would. Absolutely, um, it really, it really is. We we have we have an amazing partners in in uh, India, Avian We, and Nitin and Nikhil and their teams were amazing. And when we met with them, they were like, we share the same point of view about the importance uh, of clients and how we want to serve clients. It w- and they do it so well in their marketplace. We we said we want to learn from them because they're so good at what they do. And they do it so well in such a sophisticated and complex marketplace. We could really learn and, and take advantage of that, um, and and will help us to become a better agency around the world. So we do try yeah. we do try and lean into that as much as possible. I'm sure there are days when our partners feel a little bit like people in the Northwest don't understand it, and we work to get through that. But mo- on most days and on our best days, we really do lean into that expertise that we have in in, in our markets around the world. Well, but but as you as you're developing the the business, uh, the overall say worldwide, we uh, we business, we communications business. Um, you you were talking about leaning into um, using using your phrase. You used it a number of times. Leaning into um, the expertise, the knowledge, the skill sets, et cetera, of uh, the firms that you ally yourself with um, overseas. I imagine that works both ways. I mean, uh, I imagine that by virtue of their having a relationship with you, even a, a formal relationship where you own them, um, I imagine for them it's a, it's a great advantage to have you you folks here in the States and to have we communications in the States. I mean, I'm wondering – in terms of business flow, do you find more business coming through the U.S. office of WE and then branching out as needed to other parts of the world, particularly the places where you have identified as, as, as key market areas? Um, and and how, But how, how much of it comes back the other way where um, – they're feeding business into into you versus the other way around. Uh, I think that's more and more the case uh, today. We ha- held our uh, global client leadership summit two weeks ago, and we held it in Singapore, and we did so uh, for very strategic reasons. But really, it was all about how we connect for global clients and global opportunities. And the historic point of view is – brands from the West 
going into into APAC yeah. and into new regions of the world. But increasingly, we're seeing the growth of uh, multinational brands from uh, China and India and Southeast Asia coming to the West. And we have several of those, like, like, like a Tencent, for, for example, that we work with, um, or brands from the U.K. and Germany. Uh, we have a great client in Hartman, which is a health brand out of Germany that we're in serving in now multiple markets around the world. Uh, we do some selected work for um, HSBC, and now we're expanding that relationship around the world. So increasingly, it's going both ways. It, it, brands can be international and not just Western brands. Uh, and I think you're seeing from like uh, Lee Lee Nan from uh, from China being one of the yeah. one of the fastest growing global sportswear brands. And yeah. you know, those okay. opportunities are real, and they're increasingly. But you've got to be close to them and close to where their headquarters are, and uh, and then be able to serve them around the world. So, yeah, I think so. But you asked something about our partners that I thought was interesting and how we engage with them because it really starts with a shared sense of purpose and purpose is probably something that we're seeing develop more and more in ourselves as agencies but also with our clients and that there is an unmatched kind of urgency in purpose today and it's not it is led by companies often like companies like Nike or Starbucks, companies that we kind of know, Unilever, that we associate with strong, having strong purpose in, in, in everything they do. But increasingly, all brands are being asked to lead with purpose. And consumers are demanding that the brands have a purpose, a higher purpose, other than simply just to make money and, and just to have a, a strong performing stock price. Uh-huh. But the brands can be part of the solution to the world's greatest challenges, you know, environmental challenges, political challenges, equality challenges, and, and consumers are asking brands to take a stand on that. And, and we really are, are doing more and more with brands on that and then more and more with our partners and our acquired agency partners around this idea of purpose. And it's not, well, it's great when the CEO leads with it. Uh, I think consumers and, and uh, customers want everyone in their from a brand standpoint, to lead with purpose. Uh, it's not just uh-huh. the CEO's responsibility. Everyone kind of holds that power. Um, and yeah. increasingly, clients are wanting agencies who can help them kind of find their find their purpose and share that purpose in a consistent way. That's a really it's a growing part of, of our business today, and more and more of our clients and prospects are, are adding that need to, to work on developing a purpose for that brand and sharing that purpose to our scopes of work. And I think that's a trend. I think it's a really good – I think it's a positive trend. It's good for society. It's, it's an international trend. It's not just a West, Western brand trend. Uh, we're seeing yeah. it come through a lot of brands in China, in the U.K., in Germany, 
uh, in Australia, where it's, where it's even regulated to a certain extent, it's demanded uh, in India, where, there's, where brands have to, have to have a purpose and have to give back to society. And so that's a real opportunity for our industry and to develop real expertise in it. It's not just, a, not just a pretty thing that you do at the end of the day in an annual report and talk about all the good things that you do. It's real, honest, true purpose to a brand, and that's a difference maker for brands today. Well, you know, I, I, I have to ask you this. Um, uh, I hear what you're saying, um, and there's no question, uh, Cass, that the, the world is, is getting smaller, if anything. I mean, with the advent of the, of the Internet and digital technologies, um, we could be, if, if you were in Singapore, we could be still having this meeting, and it wouldn't cost us any more than it's costing us right now to do this. So the world is getting smaller. However, um, um, as an itinerant traveler, um, I really, when, when I travel, I end up in places where I see some similarities, but more differences culturally. And I, I crave that. I, I think we, we, we don't want to see a homogenous world. You made that point earlier about we not forcing homogeneity on its partners. But there are differences. Now, you're in a very unique position because your job, is, as, as you're describing it, is to um, find partners, manage the partnerships, manage that, which means you're traveling constantly, you're meeting with people in these particular regions that, that you've identified, and maybe more to come down the road, you're learning a lot. Um, you, you're, you're, you're in an enviable position uh, from my, my point of view. Um, now, here, here's my question, though. Where, where are the, I mean, where, where are the problems? Where, where is, I'm not problems is the wrong word, but the differences. When, when you encounter differences that are culturally embedded, differences um what what have you learned about how to how to how to manage that so that you do get the best out of your your partnership that they get the best out of you yet homogeneity is not a prerequisite forgetting that uh the, the, for, for having those for creating synergy I mean, what, what are you learning about that Well, I think my my best way to learn is not to talk and to listen more and to say less, right? I, I think that's that's that starts for me is is just to be a be a good listener, be an active listener, and, and to to really listen deeply for the meaning of what we're saying and not just the words, because sometimes the words are different uh, and the, and the tone is different. Uh, but really listen for true meaning and try and find that shared understanding. But I think more deeply than that, I think many of our clients are wrestling today with problems that are similar uh, across industries, but wrestling with big data. Uh, all of our clients are wrestling with that in all markets around the world. They're well, that's security, a universal. Right? So you, it's the same two plus two equals four no matter where you are in the world. 
Right. The security and security and privacy is changing dramatically in around the world, and the requirements around security and, and data privacy are 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 changing, and the how consumers are holding brands responsible for that for that data for their data and their privacy is is changing, and the demands of consumers are are increasing um, quite a bit. Uh, holding technology companies accountable for their ethical use of technology. We saw that in our Brands in Motion study. Consumers are demanding that technology companies act ethically. And if they don't, they'll be regulated. And we're seeing that today with calls for regulation against some of the big four or five yeah. technology companies like, like Facebook. And we're the seeing biggest that. story in the world. So that's a, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really happening. Um, there's challenges with, with AI and some real deep um, challenges with AI around the world in different companies, yeah. developing countries and mature companies. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. I think some of, our, some of our, our clients are really wrestling with those, with those kinds of challenges. Uh -huh. And those are, those are big challenges that go beyond, you know, quarterly returns and individual marketing and product campaigns. Those are big problems that society is wrestling with, and that's where we start to find commonality and talk more strategically about how we can help clients. Yeah. Because it goes, those go beyond, you know, the commercial campaign of the month um, and the latest product launch. Those go to the heart of business, and those go to the heart of society. And uh -huh. so when we're starting to work on those things with our partners, then you can kind of get past the I say it this way and you say it this way or I see this and you say that because yeah. then we're, we've escalated it. We've taken it up a level to the more important challenges that we can all get behind and find, find the right solutions for. Well, you know, we, we started off this conversation by uh, acknowledging that storytelling is, um, is, 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 is the central – um, it's, the, the, it's, it's the central requirement it, you, in, to engage. So you, you need a good story to engage uh, with uh, whoever your stakeholders, your customers are, um, whoever, who, whoever your audiences are, wherever they are. It's, it's, still, a, it's still telling stories. And um, and the tools to tell them, uh, tell those stories, are available to, to anyone anywhere in the world. It's not unique to the U.S. It's not unique to APAC countries. It's not unique to Europe. Same tools. Um, when you have a client, let's say like like a Microsoft or another company, um, you're. I, I want to point out that that we as I don't want our listeners to think that you're only a technology company uh, or you only have technology clients. You're very strong in consumer. You're very strong in healthcare. Yep. So any one of those, in any one of those categories, you have client a, a very impressive client portfolio. They come to you because they need because you're an integrated communications agency, and they want to tell a story. How do you go about the business of telling a story that's understood in the state and understood similarly, or if, if not identically, elsewhere in the world, in Europe, in Asia? It's very different. Um, 
how do you find that place where the same story is being told, but that is culturally sensitive so that it's heard the same way, no matter where the story is told? Yeah. Um, telling stories is what really great um, communications agencies are all about. And we try and go and, and, and really have a path uh, to finding that story and that purpose of the company. And first, you kind of got to under, uncover the origin. Why, why does this company exist? Why, beyond the products that it creates, why does it, why does it truly exist? Why was it born? What is, it, what is its purpose in the world? And then we tr- kind of articulate that as a, as a narrative, a long-form narrative, where you kind of build the architecture of the story, even if you don't have all the exact words of the story, but it kind of becomes that North Star, the basis for everything that you're doing. And then you start to build the story and you work with, with your clients hand in hand across the table and really like elbow to elbow on the story where we kind of translate and transcreate and build that story and, and, our, and, and kind of gnash on it and just, just work it and work it and work it and tell that story over and over and over. And then you typically take it to leadership and executives and, and, and you keep working the story and you build that narrative and you just build it and work and work against that. Then you start to build the strategy around how do we go tell it. And the way that we tell it in one market may be different. The, the connection points that we use, the media and mediums and channels that we use might be different, but we're telling the story in the same way. And then I think for us, it really is about, you know, how, you, you need to embody that as leadership. You need to get leadership into the storytelling mode, and that starts with the CEO, but, that, but all the leaders. And then you have to empower others to start telling that story and telling it over and over and over again. Um, I think we, we often, as, as communicators, we get tired of our stories faster than our consumers get tired of them. We forget how many stories they have coming at them every day uh, and how much uh, – news and information and advertising and communications, oh, more, 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 more coming at them. And we think we need to always tell a new story every day. Well, maybe we need to be telling the same story in new ways, so in, in new and interesting ways so that it really lands with our consumers, that it's original, that it's impactful, uh, and you know, it's relevant to their lives. And we need to be working on that kind of that's a that's a story arc of, of uh, for for good story building. It's relevant. It's original. It's impactful. Kind of it's fresh and it's new, but it's consistent too. And I, I think that's where you start with with leadership, and they're they're telling that story and they're telling it over and over and they're telling it in new ways. Um, then you embody uh, that story in others, and you let other people in the in the company tell that story. You tell it through your products and services, uh, and you. Stay, you stay on point and on story, um, even when there's some adversity, when it requires some extra bravery, when people challenge it, you need to stay on point, stay on the story, and, and, and keep landing your points that, that support the story. Um, and some of the tactical executions of that may be different market to market, but, but yeah. that's, how you build a narr- that's how you build a narrative and, and how you build a brand is that kind of consistency. Doing it in fresh and new ways, but, but always consistent with the true purpose of the brand. Mm-hmm. And, and you think that, it, it, and, you, and, you, and you could see in your own work, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that 
you can actually originate a story. Um, it, I'll just use this example where you can originate a story in the U.S. And, and however it has to be iterated in other countries, it can be iterated so that the impact of the story or the way the story is heard by the audiences has the desired um, emotional resonance, let's say, mm -hmm. in the States, whether you're in China, whether you're in Africa, whether you're in Germany or Italy or France, there's a consistent um, reaction or, or relationship that uh, no matter where you are in the world, you're having with that story. Would, would, you, would you say that you're, you're confident that you can do that now or um, is it something that you're working towards doing or getting better at? Where, where are you in that spectrum? We as communicators, I think broadly, are, are, are getting better at it. I like to look at, you know, the glass is more than half full. If you ask Melissa, the glass is overflowing with opportunity, which I love, right? <laughs> yeah. So she's, she's overflowing with the opportunity to do great things and to, and to empower our people to make an impact in the world and empower our brands to make an impact and do the right thing. And I, I, that, that's very inspiring and very motivating. And, and so as, a, as an industry, I think that exists not just through the use of technology and, and because the world's becoming a more a closer, more close-knit, uh, easier-to-navigate world, um, but because it's the right thing to do, and, and more and more of us are working in that way, and more and more of us are working globally. So as an industry, I think we are moving that direction uh, to tell those global stories and do it in a way that's positive and impactful for our brands. As an agency, um, we, I think, has made great progress in that. Uh, we're doing it for more brands and in more ways and across more media and more channels than ever before. And we're doing it for the kinds of brands, uh, in addition to great brands like Microsoft and uh, Honeywell and Lenovo and McDonald's and Capgemini and iRobot, which is interesting, great storytelling, in, and in so many different ways. But when you start to see the great brands of the world land their stories, they do that in, in consistent ways around the world. And, and their uh -huh. best agencies help them, help them to do that. So I think we're getting better and better at it and telling more and more great stories um, in multiple markets around the world for our not just technology clients, but consumer clients, health clients, uh -huh. uh, corporate clients. Um, so I think – I think the answer is yes, yes, and yes, and we need, and, and we all probably have a long way to go to do it better than uh, and, and get better tomorrow uh, than we are today, and that just comes again. It kind of goes back to connecting more, engaging more with our clients, um, and engaging more with with consumers in these marketplaces, um, and you know sharing more being open to new ways of, of, of doing things where you don't have to own everything, that you can partner with others and learn from others, uh, and just supporting each other more and being positive. I mean, you, for us, we kind of choose to operate from a place of positivity as opposed to negativity and, and what's possible versus what's not possible. So I think that, that helps uh, and, and at least gives you the right outlook on the world because otherwise it's 
could be a little depressing and, and no fun. So our business should be a little bit of fun and, and show upside and opportunity. So we, we, see, we see a lot of it. Well, final question. Final question. Um, what advice would you have for, for agency CEOs, uh, but particularly younger agency CEOs, uh, like the people um, Art Stevens and I met at the recent Counselors Academy Conference in St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, who are listening to this podcast and aspire to one day emulating a firm like we themselves? So advice for younger people uh, getting into the agency business or growing their, growing their businesses and growing their agencies. Yeah, that one of the, that to hear what you're saying and think, well, we're little. Uh, the firms that were there at this conference were, right now, I guesstimated, in the 2 to $4 million range. So they're a long yeah. way away from being able to do what you do. But how do they get there? Yeah, so I think for um, advice for agencies that are growing and looking to grow and expand around the world or, or grow and expand their businesses for, you know, let me start over for a second. Advice for agencies that want to grow their business and expand. Uh, I think three things uh, that we would recommend. First, strengthen and bolster an area of expertise. Be great at something that you can be known for. Uh, really, really drive expertise. Don't try and be great at everything. Be great at something. Next, invest in that, expand it, uh, and drive, did drive insights and digital capabilities around that. So, and then the third area, I believe, is go global. Find a way, find a partner, find a client, uh, find a like-minded uh, agency that you want to work with, and go global to make those global connections. Attempt a try uh, and try again, and you'll probably make mistakes, and you won't get it right the first time, but keep trying. Castell, thank you so, for joining us on the PR Master Series podcast today. It's great to be with you, Rich. Really enjoyed it. I uh, look forward to our next conversation. Talk soon. Likewise. Thank you for listening to this podcast with, with Wee's Cast Cells. Uh, we hope you found it interesting and informative. We invite you to take advantage of this opportunity to listen and learn from our future guests. So keep your eyes open for information about up, upcoming podcasts on the PR Master Series brought to you by the Stevens Group and Compro.biz.